Hello and welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I'm here today with Cindy Weiss. So Cindy actually is a teacher of many things, from meditation to yoga to nutrition, and and she's turned it into a business from, from this hobby that she had to now seven locations of Breathe the Yoga and Juice Bar, and now they have a new spinoff store, uh, Breathe at Home, that we'll maybe get a chance to talk about as well. But some of this entrepreneurial spirit started way back when she was an Avon Cosmetics salesperson at the age of 15. So I'm excited to have Cindy here today to hear how that has led to what Breathe is today. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today, Cindy. Thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about this. Uh, you, At 15 years old, you became a cosmetic salesperson and reached number one by, by 16. So what kind of fed this entrepreneurial drive of yours? Um, I think, you know, I come from a family of hardworking people. And I, from the time I was young, I just always remember my lemonade stand and selling creepy crawlers. Those were a thing back then. And um, I went door to door selling the pencils from my dad's construction company. I just kind of always found a way to, I love to sell things. I mean, it was crazy. But when I was 15 years old, I was too young to actually get a job. And I saw in the, the newspaper in the small town that I grew up in, Bradford, Pennsylvania, that there was an 800 number to call if you wanted to be an Avon lady. So I called the 800 number and had a great conversation on the phone. The woman, the district manager, came to my house to meet me. And when I opened the door, she said, is your mother there? And I said, oh, my mother's here, but um, I'm Cindy. And so she was not expecting to find a 15-year-old. Yeah. So anyway, it turned out well. She was really reluctant to give me my first uh, door-to-door Avon territory, but I, I did well with that. And she sa- gave me a second territory. And by the time I was 16 years old, I was winning all the awards. And I could never go and collect them because I was always in school. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, uh, it was fun. It was, a great, it was a great little business that I had. Wow. So, so was there anything early on that, that you were developing these, these sales talents? Or was it just that you kind of had this effervescence and this, this smile and like, like to sell? Or how did, how did you build some of, these, some of these skills? Well, you know, I still think that like the word sell kind of has a negative connotation. So I don't, I don't ever think that I sell anything. I, I always feel like I'm doing people a favor. I'm telling them about something that I found, that I love, that I want to share. That's how I feel every day at Breathe. I, I really don't feel like I'm selling anything. I think I'm saving people a lot of time because I've, I've done the research. And, and so we talked about Breathe kind of coming from, from a bit of a hobby. Uh, and, and part of that hobby, in addition to these entrepreneurial talents, you, uh, you were introduced to, to yoga at a, at a fairly young age. And, and really, I would think before it was as, as popular and kind of mainstream as it was. So uh, how did you get introduced to, to yoga in kind of this more, more mindful way of being and, and thinking about this holistic uh, well-being? Well, I was introduced to yoga by my mom when I was 12 years old. So that was like 1970. And yoga was, I mean, really yoga was like coming to the West at that time. Sure. And my mom was an early adopter of lots of things that revolved around health and wellness. So I can remember her practicing yoga on our living room floor with a television show. Um, Lillian Folis was the teacher. And I would practice with my mom. And then um, at that time, I was an overweight kid. And as my brothers and my friends were out doing sports, I just really couldn't do any of that. So my mom gave me a book and an album 
by a teacher named Richard Hittleman, and I started practicing yoga in my bedroom. And that's how I started to really connect to yoga and also just connect to my own body. It's probably the first time I didn't hate my body, which Mm. was when I was practicing yoga. So I have like really deep roots with it, but over time I changed. I grew taller, I grew thinner, all those things. And and I learned to love all kinds of sports and um, competitive sports, but I always went back to yoga. I always found my way back home to that. And then that's where I really spend my time now. Hmm. And and so... From a pretty early age, you had both the both the the sales and the entrepreneurial uh, seed had been planted, and and the yoga seed had been planted too. But it took a while until you you maybe combined those those two things because I was I was reading up on some of your history, and you had the the fit company of Rochester, you had Lavant Garb. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the the other ventures that you had as you were kind of testing out these these entrepreneurial muscles of yours. You know, I guess I've been very fortunate in that I've never had to just take a job. I've always been able to like do what I love and either create a job or if one existed, I seem to be a good fit for it. So I, the things that I loved, I, I found and turned into jobs. So Fit Company was something I started years ago. I was so into fitness. It was kind of an outgrowth of my, um, my yoga, my chubby days into me being more fit. Uh, Levant Garb, I love to shop and I love to share, which we call selling. And um, I also, I went back to school and became a dietitian in the early 90s. And so the nutrition piece comes very naturally for me too. So the juice bar of Breathe um, is a very natural outgrowth for me. And so I really never thought of those components going together, yoga, juice bar, retail boutique. But it was really my way of what do I know how to do and what do I love doing and would it make any sense to put it together? It did to me. So um, so I did. I put those concept, that concept together. I had lots of people shake their head and say, who would ever walk into a yoga studio, order a juice, and then buy a pair of yoga pants on the way out the door? And I said, <laughs> I would. Uh, so I guess they're, I'm not the only one. So it's turned out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I should say so. So uh, tell us a little bit of, about those early years, though. I mean, when you were just like we talked about now, seven locations. But there was a, there was a time when it was just I'm sure trying to trying to get by and, and get the get the one up and running and, and be known. So what were those early years like, especially as a sort of a pioneer of of yoga studios? I, I would think um, was it was it a struggle to to become profitable? What, what, what was it like when you were first starting that, that business? Um, you know, I have to say, Andrew, that um, the business has always been driven by like what I want to do, what I want to share, um, what I think is missing, you know, in the community. And the financial piece followed that. I was never reversed on that. I was never trying to look how, for a way to make money. That's actually never been my goal. Um, but, you know, when I started Breathe, it really was, I was kind of entering that time in my life where my daughters were, uh, one was in college, one was in high school. My husband traveled five days a week for his work. So I just had time on my hands. And I, I just, you know, thought about like, what is it that I love and what do I want to spend my time doing? So when I came up with the concept for Breathe, um, I thought I would do it as a hobby, you know, I found this very small location. It was about 1,400 square feet in the village of Pittsford. It was kind of on a side of a building, so sort of a best-kept secret type of a space. And I started with that, and I really, my vision was that I would sort of whistle my way to work, 
flip the sign, I'm open, you know, <laughs> spend the day talking to people, doing yoga, making smoothies, and then just go home at night. And that would just sort of be what I did for that phase of my life. But as it turned out, um, I don't know, that entrepreneurial spirit was actually always there. And I guess looking back, I should have known because anytime I've ever done anything, I've never been able to really stop. There's sort of this thing that happens when I reach a certain point and I think, well, this is great. And wouldn't it be fun to do this? And so that kept happening. And um, the interest was there. The support was there. And um, my daughters got involved. So I had more, you know, I had a, a stronger infrastructure. So we just kept growing. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to talk with with you about that as well cuz I'm also the I'm the product of of a family business and so I was curious to hear from you when was it that that your daughters started to express an interest? Did they from a very young age, you know, want to want to be a part of of this breathe uh company that you're building or did they go off and do their own things for a while and they eventually came back? How, how did you how did you know and how did you try to balance guiding them, you know, to follow what they wanted to do. But also, obviously, I'm sure it's it's a joy to be able to work with them in, in your company. I mean, it's, it's a gift that any parent um, would be very lucky to get. It's one of those things that as a mom, you know, the words quality time mean a lot. And, you, and oftentimes parents really direct that to quality time while their children are young. And I've just been really lucky to have it at different stages of my girls' lives. And now as adults, I mean, they are, they're my favorite people to hang around with and they're phenomenal business partners. They're great. So my older daughter was just going off to college. My younger daughter was a junior in high school when I opened. And so when I opened, again, thinking it would be a hobby and not having any idea how to really do this, I just asked all their friends, like, do you guys want to work at the juice bar? So I had these little short shifts that kids would do after school and on Saturdays. And um, and that worked for a while. And as we started to grow, um, my second daughter went off to school. They, were, they both ended up in New York City. And as Breathe was growing, um, I think they were watching the fun that I was having, the challenge you know, that also that I was undertaking and, and just really like how it was something I was super passionate about and invested in. So my older daughter continued on through school, graduated, moved out to Los Angeles. My younger daughter, um, she, she stayed in New York and became an esthetician, which is, you know, a skincare mm-hmm. expert. And she came back to Breathe and she became the esthetician for Breathe. We carry a, a great organic skincare line called Arcana. And Abby was our esthetician. So that's kind of how it happened was they came back. Um, Carly eventually came back from Los Angeles too. She got her yoga teacher training out there and never thought that she'd work at Breathe. But as things turned out, um, we just decided like the East Coast and the West Coast are just too far apart <laughs> for a close family. She came back, she got involved, and uh, she's now our yoga director, and she has her acupuncture practice right at our Pittsford location. Ah, no kidding. Okay. So, so I work with them all day, every day. They recently, like in the last year, became new moms. So that's been a transition for us too. You know, we've gone from all being the 50, 60 hour a week workers um, that business owners generally sure. are to now um, both of those girls are working part time as they start to raise their families. That's wonderful. So it's th- that's a that's a great story, and 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 I'm thinking now as well is when along this whole path did it go from 
that you know you said it was the hobby and then you realized okay maybe I, I want to go into this as, as more of a business and then at some point when did it start to come to your mind that you know you you were in Pittsburgh you said oh I want a second location was in Webster correct yes. so so what what made you start to say we need more locations of breathe because now you're up to seven right um, it really was kind of that supply and demand. Um, people were coming to Pittsburgh and saying, like, I'm driving from Webster. I'm driving from Greece. I'm driving um, from Syracuse. I'm driving from Buffalo. And people were coming to yoga in Pittsburgh, but I was being asked on a regular basis why we couldn't open up someplace else closer to them. So I chose Webster um, for several reasons. One reason was that I really didn't know a lot about Webster, and I didn't have any contacts there. I really wanted to see if I was just lucky. Hmm. Uh, my kids went to school in Pittsburgh. We lived in Pittsburgh. I had lots of um, friends and acquaintances. So I didn't know if I was just lucky. And so the second location was sort of for me to prove it out to myself that it was the concept that was really solid and not just me showing up. So we opened Webster, um, and that really that did very well. It's sort of it's the concept. It's definitely not the individual. So I've learned that over time. Hmm. And and when you're when you're growing now, I I would imagine in a company that is focused on on yoga and and health and well being, uh, that that if if you are espousing those things, that that people would expect that the business that you're building also you know encourages those sorts of things for you know your culture and in, in your employees. So how do you take this kind of purpose and this culture that you have at, at Breathe and and that you have personally? And how did you start to infuse that culture? Of, of well-being and as you're just mentioning with your daughters, right, of, of being able to step back when they need to for their, for to, to be mothers. How do you start to infuse that into, into your business? Um, I've never been asked that question before. And I think it's, it's kind of similar to what I said about money and how it follows the passion and like the true authentic reason for why I do what I do at Breathe. Um, if I, if I'm following that, then I don't really have to pay attention to how to make money. It just kind of comes. And I think the same is true. I've not had to think about how to create integrity in the business. I've always tried to be really in alignment with myself. And at the end of the day, I want to feel good about the decisions I'm making, the way I'm leading my life. The, um, I want, I'm, my daughters are, I'm still their mom. They watch how I operate. And that's really important to me. So I think that the business integrity is very much a reflection of just how we live our lives as people. I make mistakes, believe me. I screw up all the time. And I'm really good at cleaning up my mistakes and, um, and trying to make it better. I'm also, I think, very good at giving people chances on, the, on their own to get messy, to make mistakes, and then to learn from them. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely creating that kind of environment, and and I think as as you were sort of mentioning, is being able to to model that as a leader, being being able to talk about some of your own mistakes or or failure failures or missteps along the way helps them maybe become a little bit more comfortable sharing it themselves and and creating a culture where you know you don't just sweep that mistake under the rug, but you address it. You know, it's only going to probably fester and become bigger if it doesn't get addressed soon. So. Um, modeling that, though, as a leader is, is is the challenge, of course. Yeah, for sure. So we talked at the beginning about your your many different 
uh, many different modalities of, of teaching that you know you're you integrated yoga with the with the juice bar, but but you also have many different things that that you teach, and and more recently. Uh, this holistic wellness, in addition to you said you're a dietitian and, and like like we we're talking about the juice bar, but but now there's this more intentional focus on the the workplace wellness kind of line of business, if you will, and and bringing some more mindfulness into into the into lives of people. You know, at first in the studio with with classes, but now maybe trying to trying to convince business leaders that they need to be thinking about this more intentionally. So, what kind of inspired this latest uh, latest addition to to the line of, of of breathes lines of businesses, so to speak? You know, it's funny because when we were talking at the beginning of the interview, you and I, and you said you did some digging on the website and you brought up Fit Company, which is it was a corporate wellness company that I started in the '80s. So I, I hadn't thought about that until you brought it up today, but I think it's kind of a full circle yeah. experience. Um, I think that right now what I'm super excited about is talking to people that would not ordinarily see themselves as yogis. So um, I spoke to a CEO group yesterday, and it was really fun because I know that if I speak in a language that resonates with them, then they truly will see themselves as benefiting from this practice. So I really talked about meditation and yoga yesterday from the direction of how to increase effectiveness as a leader. And they really got it. It certainly landed for sure. Um, so I, I am really interested in sort of reaching out to the people who would not necessarily walk into the doors of Breathe on their own. I, a couple of years ago when I got the small business person of the year award, that really put me on the radar of people outside of just my yoga community. Mm -hmm. And I think that that helped to bridge the gap and open the door. And so now, you know, I'm really having a lot of fun um, doing events for corporations. And I think employees really want wellness. And I think that Breathe delivers it in a very user-friendly way. So I'm having fun with it. And, and now I'm sure there's a, a broad spectrum of... I guess buy-in from from business leaders, some, some that are really gravitate towards this. But what are some of the common things that you hear? And, and maybe if people are listening and, and they they may be you know hesitant or or skeptical, what are some of the kind of common things that you hear of of pushback towards this this you know more holistic uh, workplace wellness, well-being, meditation that you hear, and then. What what do you say to try to convince them that they really should be paying attention to uh, to meditation and, and mindfulness? Um, I haven't had to try to convince anyone. Good. Okay. Um, so, kind of answering two parts of your question, I, I think that uh, in terms of when corporations are surveying their employees of what they're interested in, what would what would improve the quality of their life at their workplace. I think that uh, employee wellness comes up on the top of the list. So I'm pretty sure that it is something that corporations are looking for. They just don't exactly know how and where to find it. So we can plug in something as little as a lunchtime lecture to, I've done already some full day events for people, for corporations, and it's been great. So I think that the buy-in from the companies is there. I also think the buy-in from the individuals is there too. But I try to frame it um, from the perspective usually of stress. I think that stress is something that 10 years ago, it really wasn't the word that you'd hear 
coming up in multiple conversations a day. But now it is. It's not just um, it's not just the corporate executive that's feeling stress. It's everybody. It's teenagers. It's uh, it's moms that are trying to manage jobs and family. It's everybody's got too much to do and an inbox that's never empty. So that creates this feeling of stress and it creates this feeling of overwhelm and I can never ever sort of feel free. I've always got more to do than I have time to do it. And so I love to talk about stress and then segue into like the most important master tool of stress really is um, pattern disruption. So meditation is when you disrupt the pattern of thought, 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 activity, Mm. thought, 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 and you just plug in just like a moment or two of silence. And the more you disrupt that pattern, um, the more these repetitive immersions into stillness and silence start to create a new foundation. And you start to see the world a little differently and you operate differently. Um, I I don't have to sell it too hard. I think everybody is, um, I think they're desperate for it, quite honestly. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I actually have a, I have a friend who's a who's a meditation teacher, and he talks about how sometimes it's the people who feel like they least have the time for meditation that, that most need it, right? That that you know to be able to take that time and and then what the what the benefits will be eventually. So I'm guessing that people you know probably have have this this hunger for it, like in desperate for it, like you said, but I'm sure that. Feeling overwhelmed and and actually making it a habit then is another story. So, do you have any any kind of whether it's from your your personal experience or through the coaching that you're starting to do more and more of people that recognize the need for this meditation and maybe they even try it a couple times, but they're struggling to integrate it into their into their habits into their everyday to really see the, those kind of benefits. Yes, um, I've I've been lucky. The the meditation teacher that I've been studying with, his name is David G, and he's got some really great, like easy little um, sound bites and user friendly tips. So one is um, the sixteen second meditation, and we could do it. You and I could do All it right. if you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, my the first on air meditation. I don't know if it's good for radio, but uh, we'll try it. All right. So um, all I want you to do is put your feet on the ground. And then I want take a deep breath in, and as you breathe in through your nose, count to the count of four. Three, two, one. Pause now. Hold the breath for four, three, two, one. And then slowly exhale. Four, three, two, one. Hold your breath out, so lungs empty. Four. Three, two, one. Now breathe normally. So that was 16 seconds, but in that 16 seconds, several things happened. We disrupted the the pattern of conversation and noise and movement, right, um, of our minds. And also, it really doesn't take any longer than 16 seconds of conscious deep breathing to stimulate the vagus nerve, kind of the conductor Mm -hmm. of your nervous system, and to create a shift in your body and brain chemistry through your nervous system. So when people experience that in 16 seconds, and there is like, obviously, if you meditated longer, 
you'd feel you know you'd feel accumulated um, benefit of sure. it but it's still enough to know like wow you know all i did was take a couple of like take one full deep breath and i i like to point out to people too you know i still remember back to probably my first book report in 5th grade and my mom would have said you know if you're nervous just get up there and take a couple of deep breaths so we've known this intuitively forever and now we're just deciding if we're going to buy into this trend. So it's something that we already intuitively know is like makes it makes an impact. But now it's like, are we getting on board with this whole meditation thing? Or are we not? Mm-hmm. Um, the wave is still much smaller than the wave of yoga. Um, and but I will say, though, that I think that the desire is there. People want an antidote to how they're feeling with stress. Um, the studies are there because the more that people become interested, the more it gets studied. And it's, it's, you can't argue that the benefits are really profound for something that's free and doesn't take a lot of time and doesn't take really any education. So I think that the, the buy-in of wanting it is there. And over time, more and more people will find themselves meditating because we'll demystify this idea that you have to do it for... 20 minutes and that there won't be a single thought that goes through your mind and you know you have to grow a beard and sit at the top of a mountain and all yeah, those kind of things that people think and all those sorts yeah of like things. not none of that's necessary you can um before you walk into your house um when you come home from work you could like just s- sit in the garage in your car for like one minute and watch your breath and count those counts and just allow yourself to get grounded and you walk in and it's like okay now i'm home I think people are going to get on board. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes it's whether it's little reminders or working that into your day, I think that's a perfect one, though, is, is you pull into the garage, and that kind of is the is the, the click that says, okay, I need, to, I need to take the time to do this. Or maybe same thing when you're you know, pulling into work in the morning and, and different, different times in your day, and uh, you hear that, no excuses now, 16 seconds. So if you can't find 16 seconds in your day a few times a day, uh, you know, that really, I, I could feel it just shift, shift the, my own energy and in our, our quick minute there. So of, of being able to do that. So, um, thank you for that. And, and for the experiential piece of it, I love that. So I'm thinking then when we're, when we're working with, uh, when we're working with companies, uh, you know, how, what do you do when you're when you're maybe you said you you know spoke to a CEO group recently and maybe get them really interested in this maybe they they buy into the you know whether it's a 16 second or, or other things that they can do what does that then typically look like in terms of how you're going to start helping them either personally or company wide to integrate more whether it's mindfulness or other kind of stress reduction tactics what, what does that typically look like when you're when you're working with a company. Um, we have lots of options of, in terms of going on site, I think I mentioned that it could be as simple as a one hour lunchtime lecture could be on any aspect of nutrition because, um, just as breathing is important, what you put in your body is also important to your health and wellness. So it could be a one hour lecture on nutrition, meditation, yoga, or it could be as much as a full day, which I have a day called living from your center. And it's very much a... Um, directed around stress and the practices that help balance stress. So yoga, good nutrition, meditation. And it's an experiential day. 
And um, we do it at our downtown East Avenue location. So we have like really a great venue for it. So that would be kind of one end of the spectrum to the other on what we can do. We also have seven breathe locations. So there's in Rochester alone, we have over 250 yoga and meditation classes a week. So a corporation could choose to support some of that to their employees. Um, it's really reasonable. And it's a great way to, um, I think, you know, let people do something at a time that's convenient to them. I used to, in Fit Company, back in the 80s when I had that business, um, people staying for exercise classes after work is, it's kind of, um, you know, it's, there's pros and cons to it. On the one hand, it's convenient. On the other hand, they want to get out of there. They're ready mm -hmm. to go home. So I think that having the option for employees to be to use this benefit at one of the Breathe locations is great because they actually can do it on their own time and we have one we have them scattered all across Rochester so pretty convenient. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't want to put you on the spot but I'm guessing, you know, someone who is running seven location business, you know, that seems to be continuing to grow and and also you you seem very uh, stress not stress free. I don't know if we can ever be stress free, but you seem to have uh, you know a, a very very uh, an an aura of of not being stressed and really really just enjoying enjoying life. So I'm sure it's very difficult to think of what a typical day would be, but maybe a typical week or a typical month. What are some of the things that are that are your well being practices? Do you are you doing those 16 second meditations, or do you have a, a longer meditation practice, or what is your what does your yoga practices look like? What are some of the things that are really key to to your wellness and well being? Um, well, I like to look at things kind of like 90-10. Okay. So 90% of the time, I'm really making good, healthy, conscious choices in my eating and what time I get to bed, what time I get up in the morning, getting my yoga practice in, working out at the gym, meditating. And then 10% of the time, I want to give myself just the ability just to like not do that. So I don't, I'm not looking for perfection in myself. Mm -hmm. um, so if one day I don't feel like working out, I don't. If, one, if I want to go home and have some homemade chocolate chip cookies, I do. So I like to keep myself balanced in that way. Um, I do meditate every morning. Um, the teacher that I learned with, he, like I said, he's got some good little 16 seconds. And his other one that I love is called RPM, Rise P Meditate. Okay. Everybody, first thing in the morning, gets up, <laughs> sure. heads to the bathroom. And then from there, it's either you start racing, right? Or you get your coffee or you eat your breakfast or you turn on the news. Or, But it's RPM, rise, pee, sit back down, meditate. And that's what I do because nothing can get in the way. And sometimes I'm meditating for five minutes. Sometimes I'm meditating for 30 minutes. But I try to get that one done in the morning. I also teach meditation, which is awesome because I get to be in the space of that frequently and um, get the benefits just by leading it. Um, so I, I do meditate. I practice yoga uh, three to four times a week and I get to the gym and my diet has been consistent ever since my 20s and I'm mm. turning 60 this year. So my diet's been very consistent, 90-10. All right. Yeah, I think I, I think that's an important piece too. Because if you're if you're striving for a hundred all the time, you're probably just creating extra stress and all the cortisol coursing through your veins and everything is is not productive. So uh, that's a, that's an important piece to it. I think. Yeah, and I think uh, consistency is so important. You know, I don't um, even even tr meditating daily. If there's a day that it just doesn't work, that's going to be my ten percent. That's a day I'm going to skip, and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. 
um, there's there's a lot to be said for balance and not really holding ourselves to like um, an all or nothing. And I had to learn that because the entrepreneur in me, the type A person in me, was really, really driven. And I experienced a lot in my younger years that helped me learn. I mean, injuries through exercise, eating disorders through nutrition, um, all sorts of things that I had to learn the hard way, but I did. And now I feel as if um, I think doing well is is good enough. I'm not looking to be perfect. Mm. Is there anything uh, along the way? Was it was it just the the school of hard knocks or any, anything as you were as you were coming up that helped you evolve that mindset? Were there mentors that you had or, or books that you've read or just kind of the the general experience and, and learning from it? Um, just curious. You know, I said earlier that my mom was a great inspiration to me. I was very close with her, and she was a huge part of, um, you know, for my husband and I when our daughters were growing up. So, you know, I had a chance to watch her from different stages. As I watched her as a daughter, I also watched her, you know, be a mentor to my daughters as their grandmother. So I think I learned a lot from watching her. Um, but, you know, I, the balance that comes, I think it comes from trial and error, and also, like, co- occasionally coming back and asking yourself the questions that matter. So I, I do that. I ask myself, like, what do I want my life to feel like? Um, I, I'm looking for, you know, I'm awake enough in my life to know that at each different phase, I may not want what I wanted before. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to keep just doing what I was doing just because I'm assuming that's the right thing to do. I'm making shifts in my business right now. Um, there are seven locations. Four of them are franchises. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently selling one of my corporate stores off as a franchise. Oh, wow. Because those partners are ready to grow and they are ready to jump into a second location operationally. And when I stopped and asked myself, like, what do I want my life to feel like? What I love most is the vision of, like, what's next. Like I said to you, I'm having a lot of fun like going out into corporations and talking to people who would not necessarily walk in to breathe and roll out a yoga mat right off the bat. So I'm really loving kind of – I always love the uncharted territory more so than the day-to-day. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I do. So, um, and so that's what made me decide to sell that location. I mean there was no other reason to do it other than I checked in with myself to see like, okay, what do I want things to feel like for the next couple of years? So that's how I make my decisions. So is that something that you're that you're trying to do annually, or just when you're like feeling out of energy, you try to you know reconnect with what those questions are, or you know for someone who is, is resonating with that, what is it? Just, is there any regularity to it, or when do you start to ask yourself or realize that you might need to ask yourself and dig a little bit deeper about those questions? You know, I don't know how it is for other business owners, but for me, I find that the only time I'm really off is if I physically leave Rochester. And so I do that um, I do that on the regular basis. And I have certain places that I like to go where there's an immediate sense of peace and relaxation and quiet for me. And that's usually when it just comes to me. It's like right there. In the day-to-day, it's hard to even think past like what's next because like everyone, I have a full inbox and list of things to do every day too. So I I really have to take myself out of my day-to-day to to ask that question. But, um, you know, I've had this conversation with others where they say, like, I can't afford to take myself out. And I said, I can't afford not to. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I I talk with business owners too, you know, just in in terms of 
being able to let go a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the greatest measures, in my opinion, of a leader is what happens when they're gone, and that could mean gone that they retire. That could mean gone that they you know go elsewhere, or it could be that they're on vacation. And do they need to check in every five minutes to make sure that things haven't blown up with, without them, or, or do they? You know, it speaks to how you develop your team, but also to what extent you are able to delegate some of that responsibility and empower your team to to continue their own growth. So I think that's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I I think the hardest thing about growing um, a small business into a larger business really is like the how do how how do you pass the baton? Like when you're delegating something, it's in so many ways, it's easier just to keep doing it yourself because you've got it figured out. It takes more time and more energy to step back and to actually teach someone else, let them, you know, fumble a little bit with it until they they really fill out the role. It's almost like wearing a coat and it gets too tight and like you have to take it off and then it's like shedding a responsibility and then you put another coat on and that fits for a while and then that starts to get tight and you've got to like take it off. And that's that's how I I can remember the first couple of times how difficult that was and I just thought it was impossible. And then with each time I've done it, it's become easier to do and it's also I can see um, when it's necessary quicker. Mm. to be able to do that. Interesting. So I, I wanted to cycle back because I was one of the things that I was reading about you was around that you were glad that you never had a, a business degree because it's helped you to kind of follow your gut and follow your, your intuition a little bit instead. Um, I've even seen some stats out there about how many young people go into a business school and they have more of a, a societal purpose or a social, you know, social responsibility or want to maybe be social entrepreneurs or want to have a purpose-driven business. And sometimes that gets, I don't know, beaten out of them a little bit in business school because they're so focused on the money and the finances. And, and you mentioned earlier that you always thought that the, the money would follow when you were, when you, were you know, following your passion and, and doing business the right way. So uh, do you think not having a, a business degree did that kind of influence that that philosophy that you have of of business and for breathe? I think it was just sort of the the real situation. So my academic background is I have a degree in mental health counseling and I have a degree in nutrition. And the entrepreneurial piece, I don't know that I really fully recognized it until I, I was deep into breathe. And then I could say like, oh, I've kind of always been this way. Oh yeah, Avon, selling pencils, all those <laughs> it things. It all makes sense looking it does. backwards, it right? It really does. So um, when, I, when people would ask me about business, I, at first I was embarrassed because I thought like, I don't know anything. Um, I don't have a degree. And then I realized like, wow, that may be the biggest gift that I actually have is that I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I actually problem solve and try to figure out like what makes sense for me to do. And that's what I do. So I, I really, um, I say it often, like I, I keep my eyes on my own paper from whether it's how to run the business or what else is going on in the industries that I'm part of. I'm part of food and beverage. I'm part of retail. I'm part of yoga. And I don't look around and say like, oh, so-and-so is doing this, so I better do this. I really just stay in my lane. And I do the things that like if I were the customer, what I would want. And that's how I've grown my business. Mm. And 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 that that kind of that kind of philosophy of you know it sounds like you're always being really really true to yourself and, and true to your own purpose, uh, but 
conscious capitalism then is really about how do we how do we celebrate that that powerful positive uh, you know energy and contribution that that business can have for our society or for our community. Uh, you know, I've I've seen that. It, you've used your your uh, breathe and, and that whole network to to raise money for organizations in the past and different different ways that you found to give back. Uh, but I think that there's actually kind of this disconnect a little bit. There's a, a relatively recent Harvard study that that showed that more than 51% of millennials don't believe that capitalism is the best way to, to organize our, our economy. And so for me, you know, I think that is that, that we're not telling enough of these stories of, of what business can be and can contribute. So I'm, I'm curious what you feel about maybe the, the role that you've seen for Breathe or just in general, what kind of role do you see for, for business in, in society or, or what it maybe could be? You know, it would be hard for me to answer that question about other businesses, but the area of business that I'm in lends itself to purpose. You know, I mean, yoga, healthy eating, wellness, like it all just fits. And so um, there is a strong component of giving back and supporting in multiple ways. Like in the early days, we were very involved in something called the Save a Challenge. And as a very small business, we were raising $20,000 a year and we did it six, well, we did it seven times wow. in a row um, for third world causes. And, um, and that was great. And it was something we're so passionate about. Now what we've done is, I mean, we don't say no to any requests for donation. And what we donate are our services, yoga and meditation, because I really think that rather than give money, I'd actually love to see people taking advantage of yoga and meditation. If the whole world did that, it would just be a better world. <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, you want something? I'm very happy to give yeah, you this. Yeah, no, I love you know? that. And um, we don't say no to anybody for that. So be I careful. Feel like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, or uh, any sort of charitable organization. Sure. And I feel like that's that's one way of supporting and giving back. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm totally on board, especially if if you truly believe in the services that you're providing and the way that it can impact a positively impact someone's life. Then yeah, let's let's get more people at least get them a taste, or maybe if they couldn't afford it or something like that, maybe they they get a couple a couple classes or or, or things like that, introduce them to to these elements, and and quite honestly. Uh, you know, when you bake that into your, it's baked into your business plan now, right? Like, right. like people by by participating in your business, it's improving their lives. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think oftentimes that's can be more powerful than the money donation or the check that you can write. You know, and with yoga too, sometimes it's, um, you know, we'll sometimes be asked the question, "Well, do you do the first class free?" And we're like, no, um, because one class doesn't necessarily give you the real feeling of yoga. We have um, something called un like 30 days of unlimited yoga and meditation for $40, which is really like going out for dinner, right? Yeah. Um, so for $40, you can go to all seven locations as many times as you want and take as much yoga and meditation as you want to take. And that to me is the way to introduce yourself to a new habit, like practicing yoga and meditation. So I feel like it's super affordable. It's a way of giving everybody the support. So whether you're getting it at a silent auction or you're just somebody who wants to try, it's really affordable. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, you're, you're totally right. 
being being able to experience it for for a month or so, trying to integrate it into your daily or weekly schedule, and and getting the feeling both of the for me anyways, yoga is, is you know obviously very much that the mind and the body, right? You get you're feeling good because you're stretching yourself out, but uh, it's very meditative as well. So getting getting some practice of that. Nobody's going to have their their one their one first chance and and have that that impact maybe that right, they're looking for. Right, that aha for. moment, right? Yeah. Sometimes you need to be doing it frequently enough that you get past a little bit of muscle soreness, you get past some of the early distraction and meditation, and then you do. You have that moment where you're like, you know what? I actually feel good. I'm noticing that I'm less reactive. I notice that I'm sleeping better. I'm digesting my food better. I wonder what how this is all happening. Well, it's it's actually the practice that you've been doing. Yeah. So I think it takes a few times. So anything as, as you're thinking about, uh, you know, Cindy today versus Cindy when maybe you started Breathe or even, even you know, if you want to go farther back to some of your other, your other business, businesses that you've been a part of, how have you evolved as a leader? Like, like what, what kinds of things, it, have, have there been anything that you can point to specifically that, that's helped you there or, or, or any kinds of advice that you'd maybe pass along to somebody who's seeing the, the success that you've had and, and wants to start a business of their own or maybe you know, learn from, from everything that you've been through? I think that, you know, as I've said several different ways, I really do think that creating a business out of something that you love makes more sense than what's a niche in the world of business where you need to plug something in. I think that sounds a little heartless, you know? So I think coming from the place of what do you love, whether you're starting your own business or going to work for someone, you, you want to be personally invested, excited. Like you want to get up and you want to go do this thing. So I think that that's kind of a baseline must have. Um, from there, you know, I, um, I try to say yes and sweat it out later. I pretty much, I've, anything that I've ever done um, for the first time always scares me. I always get nervous and I just use my practice. I, I put my mm. feet on the ground, I, I breathe. And on the other side of it, it's like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. So I think, um, you know, being willing to go out of your comfort zone and also know that if not you, then who? Right? Anybody out there doing what they're doing, um, why wouldn't I be doing what I want to be doing? So I don't sit back and wait. I, I also don't stomp on toes. I'm just sort of staying in my own lane, doing my own thing. Hmm. Love it. So looking, looking a little bit at the past, and then what if we were to kind of wrap things up by looking at the future? What, is, what does the future look like for, for Breathe? Are you continuing to try to grow and expand your locations, or are you looking more to grow your different you know, lines of business? Or what, what, What's the future look like for Breathe? And then maybe also as well, uh, what does the future look like for Cindy? Well, they're kind of one and the same. <laughs> it seems like that happens. Um, you know, I have uh, I have an amazing staff of people all across, for all the areas of breathe, and in particular, our yoga teaching staff is phenomenal. So I feel that that area of the business is is really taken care of well by others. And where I see myself having impact right now is in this space of outreach. So going out to corporations or to people who are looking for these services in a different way. And in particular, meditation. It's just something that I'm very passionate about. I had, um, I had a really powerful personal experience with it a few years ago. I had gotten very physically sick 
and uh, the doctors couldn't quite figure out what it was. I had many, many tests, and it just no one was really figuring out what it was. There was like a little in, a little voice inside that was like, you know, you should meditate. You should meditate. And I had known that for a long time, but I, I was too busy wanting to stay toned and, and you know, physically fit through my yoga that I just kept putting it off for someday. And someday came right then because I, real, I was a little desperate. And I started meditating and everything, every physical symptom I had went away. Hmm. And so I, I'm so committed and passionate that I feel that I can share that from that very authentic place. And that's why I like to be the one to go out and to talk about it because people can relate when it's coming from personal experience as opposed to coming from what you've learned from a book or a workshop. So I see myself really being involved in that. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know where Breathe will go. I've, I've never had... Um, a goal of having X number of locations or anything like that. I haven't. It's always grown organically. And that that supports me uh, having no business being in business because I don't have a five-year plan. I really don't. I would say that I'm open. I'm kind of open to, um, you know, whatever seems like the right next step. For me personally, um, I... At 60 years old, I know that I have some really good years ahead of me, but I also have a lot of years behind me. And I don't want to miss out on being the kind of grandmother that my Mm. mother was for my girls. So I, you know, I am plugging that into my day. I'm making sure that, you know, I take time to be with them. And as that grows, I could see, you know, me taking, I don't know, maybe a different role. I'm not sure. So I'm open. I'm open to where this might go. Well, and you got to every once in a while continue to be asking yourself those questions you were talking about, right? Kind of reflecting on where am I bringing, is this really aligned with what I want to be doing? Is it bringing me energy and joy? And uh, I think that's such an important reset to have. Oh, it's 100% the way I like to live my life. All right. Well, we'll have to maybe maybe we'll have you back in a few years and see see what what the future is is holding. But uh, Cindy, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, I I think for individuals they can go check out the the meditation or or the yoga at, at Breathe Studios. Uh, they, there sounds like there's a pretty good introductory offer for 30 days. But for those listeners that are business owners and may want to learn more about bringing these elements into their business, where can they find you? Um, they can go to the website, which is breatheyoga.com, and they can see we have a wellness, uh, workplace wellness section. And then in, uh, emailing info at breatheyoga.com, they'll get an instant response, and um, we'll just start doing something creative and custom and make sure that it's you know something that fits. Great. I'm, I'm so excited to hear from you how, how many business owners are, are hungry for this. Uh, I can only imagine what Rochester and, and the world will look like when we have more, more mindfulness and, and more holistic wellness in our, in our lives, but also in our, in our jobs. So Agreed. thanks so much for the work that you're doing and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It was a lot of fun. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.